good morning everyone and uh, today is the 14th of march and uh, we have daylight savings has begun in the us so it's an hour later in the us and i thought it would be a good time you know pardon the pun to prepone and start our writers open house session uh, half an hour earlier and uh, for you know uh, those of you joining in for the first time what you've uh, read through the invite link and also gone and taken a look at the indic book club uh, and the indic academy page that describes what this is about so the intent is to encourage and and help improve the writing skills of aspiring writers as well as reviewers and to that end we ask you to send in a short writing sample uh, 750 to 800 words to otis uh, sufficiently in advance for him to take a look at it and he uh he marks up your piece in uh, you know with those notes and comments and sends that back to you and then when we meet on sunday we'll go over all those pieces otis goes over those pieces and you can uh, uh, ask any doubts you can get them clarified and he will also share uh, you know general notes and observations about not only the piece but the general good writing practices so and uh, he tells me that uh, there are lots and lots of pieces that he has received for this week so without any further ado uh, otis i will turn this over to you okay uh, great yeah we have um, yeah i received 10 pieces so that's um that's a good a good number um and i maybe because of that i work through a little bit more quickly uh than i than i sometimes do and what i'll try to do is really highlight one or two things from each piece so that we can move along rather than going into my lengthy soliloquies on good writing and <laughs> and the like um so uh without uh, further ado let me screen and um share my screen and uh ra maybe we'll just uh start with your piece you're you're an old uh hand here so we have we also have people so i don't want to i don't want to scare anyone off um too too quickly so we better start with ram who i uh, and uh what a sorry for uh, interrupting one uh, note for people uh there is a certain template that is suggested and i have also provided a link to that template it's essentially a word document and uh, you know the speech that uh, that ram has sent and otis is sharing is in that template so it is double spaced times new roman font size 12 and send it as a pdf document it's easier to mark up uh so yeah thanks thanks otis back to you yeah So uh we we probably because we have so many pieces we won't be able to share very much but maybe if the author can just talk a little bit about what they were trying to do just briefly. So Ram what is what is this review about? Uh so so this is basically a review about a book that has been brought out by Indic Academy and uh, it's an anthology of 10 short stories. Each of these stories uh, they have a common theme and the theme is that in the Mahabharata war which is very famous there are many famous incidents but there were also several smaller incidents many of them pivotal many of the warriors who played in those uh, in those war situations not very well known so this is an anthology of 10 such stories that are not very well known about warriors who are not very well known and the interesting thing is that each of these authors are first time authors 
so this was the result of a call that was given out by indic academy for first time authors to submit their stories and 10 stories were selected and those were published and it's a fantastic attempt i think to uh, to showcase new voices in writing encourage new writers so it's a brilliant way and uh, i read this and it was very interesting and uh, this review captures my thoughts about this so Strangely enough, Ram, uh, I'll tell you, I woke up morning thinking about this review. <laughs> this is like, this is, I don't know, it's my life. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, I read this review and I thought it's it's really solid. I, I think it's a very solid review. But it's interesting that it does catch me, you know, because I basically know that this anthology exists already. I know. I know something about the Mahabharata War. In fact, uh, I took Abhinav's suggestion and started reading that that prose version of the the Mahabharata, and it is amazing. It's really it's so good. I, I'm really enjoying it. And I read some parts to my my daughters, and they're like, "You have to read that." It's like they're really excited too. Um, so, so, but I woke up this morning and I thought, you know, our go-to with reviews has probably has to be who is our audience who are we trying to reach and i did not write that in here so this is <laughs> yeah i wish i had right yeah i wish i've just been like who's the audience we identify them when right. it comes to a review of course we're talking about people who either may or may not read it right um and we should this well, I think this is sort of illustrative of, of kind of maybe a difficult concept. When we when we come in to review something, we have to be sort of two, two people. We have to be ourselves as the reader, but we have to also remove ourselves and be a reviewer. We have to be, I'm, I'm sorry if this is gonna sound complicated, but hopefully thematically it makes sense with all that I end up saying. We end up being kind of a character in the play, right? Um, we be we're a character in the play, but we're also going to be a writer who is above the play. And because I've been reading the Mahabharata, it's a little bit like I think it's Vasya, right? The the narrator, right? He's sometimes he's he's mostly up here, but every now and then he comes down and he's a character, right? This actually perfectly describes our role as writers. We're the person who's up here, is thinking about everything, basically we're not we're not narrow we're not a character we're not acting we're not biased we have an overview and then some character here and as writers we have to be able to be both so the writer you have to be able to have your experience with the with the work which i think you portray here very well very evenly i mean it's really great writing i think as the reader of the book but this reader is also a person who knows what the Mahabharata war is, right. also knows essentially what minor characters are and major characters are. You basically know all that history, right? And it seems to me that you also want to answer, you, you also want to get other, it's an opportunity to get other people up to speed. You have someone who looks at your review, you might want to inform them a little bit about what the Mahabharata is have a little bit of that history, not in the first paragraph. Okay. You wanna have a little bit of a, you wanna have a, probably a little history and contextualization 
the place where that typically takes place is the second paragraph. So then make your statement and you will, you will draw upon that, upon everything in your opening paragraph. You really want to tell people what you think in the opening paragraph in case they don't read any further. Okay. They basically understand your opinion. So okay. the question is, those, so right now you're writing, you're basically writing to an audience of people who know the Mahabharata, who know, um, who know the major characters at least. Mm. And you're basically saying that it, it, because you're this person, it will be interesting for you to read these stories. The further question is, if you don't know the major characters, right. is there a good reason and a compelling reason to have this right. be an introduction? Right. And, um, and I think that that might be a little bit more complicated to think about, but I think you do want to think about that because that larger, more expansive audience and you, and you, you, um, this is for all reviewers. I, and what I'm saying here is not definitive. I, I don't work in the publishing industry. I just think about it a lot, right? So for all of us reviewers, there's basically, there's basically two, when you write a book, there's two classes of audience, right? There are the people who would read the book anyway, either may or may not read the book based on the topic anyway. That, that depends on it being basically competitive with other books on the same topic. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's one group. So they're going to, they spend a certain amount of time reading. They spend a hundred hours a year reading and they're always going to read top this, this book, this type of book. So now it's a question of if they're going to read that type of book, are they going to read this one? Yeah. Okay. That's one audience. The other, even more important audience are people who are reading other types of books. Right. Right. They, they, they read other, they don't read about the Mahabharata. They read about um, who knows what other topics in nonfiction and even a larger audience, other people who just read anything. Right. right. So maybe there's three classes of people. Speaking to that audience also important in your review. Right. That's probably the best thing that I've said in this entire time about reviewing. Right. To think about what where the publishing industry thinks. The publishing mm. industry thinks first about people who read this type of book. Now, here you might be saying that this type of book doesn't exist. And that is actually, that's something worth noting. Yeah. So there's no one that reads this type of book because this book has never been written. Mm. That's yet another tier that you should address because that makes it a very interesting book. It's something that has not been done before. So, I mean, it's basically an innovation. Right. So this book is an innovation. Address that. Right. This book is on this topic and it competes with other books on this topic. Book um, not only either does or doesn't compete for readers that read in history generally. Right. Or it does not read in history. This book competes with people who read short stories that are fiction and other genres, uh, literature, or it does not compete with that. So right. those are kind of the tiers. And we're thinking about it all based on publishing. Publishers have all these numbers. Right? Does that 
they already know, yeah. they know how much time people spend reading a certain type of book, depending on the publisher. They understand this is what they're competing. So this is also when we write a review, this is how we'll we can address it to audience. I think I probably so, put that in the last paragraph, but maybe I should bring it up front. Yeah, absolutely bring it up front. Yeah. Yeah. So and not not to say that you shouldn't have it in the last paragraph. You should in in the review standard, um, it's like the five five paragraph essay that's the classic yeah, composition yeah. essay. It's like that. You 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 do want to reiterate what you've stated in the conclusion, but you when you state it in the conclusion, it has the greater weight of you've gone through your evidence. So um, but the, the larger point that I just want to get back to is we can talk about audiences and that's great to write that down. Really good idea. But do always think of yourself as being above, as the writer, being above the character, being above the readership. You have to play two roles. You both have to see yourself as like, oh, I'm me, I'm Ram, I read a book. But you have to be the writer who's able to say, hi, when I'm, when I'm wrong, it's cryptic and weirdly philosophical. But when I'm wrong, who am I? Well, I'm this type of reader. I'm the type of reader who knows the Mahabharata, who knows the Gers, who knows the his, who knows all those. And so you as a writer realize that that's who you are. And then who else is there? Right. That's that's it. But it's a solid review. There is there is something that I would like to add. Uh, so the uh, pointers that you gave about reviewing, it helped in uh, figuring out two three things. The one thing I tried when I wrote this review was uh, not use this review as an opportunity to show off. So writing a review is not an opportunity to show off. So I was not trying to show off my knowledge of the topic or the other books that I have read because invariably that comes in. I mean, uh, I always feel that, I mean, I maybe a lot of people have this, that I know it all syndrome. So it, it is difficult to get out of that. But here after listening to your, uh, your pulse uh, uh, of wisdom on reviewing, I try to get out of that and that really helped. So I said, let me write a very simple right. review. And that really helps. I'm glad you, Ram, calling it wisdom instead of my rating. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're, but I'm, I'm really glad, I'm really glad because, because yes, that's, this is really important for us as writers. We, we are not to be, we are actually not supposed to be noticed no one's supposed okay. to say, hey, Ram is so brilliant. No yeah. says, if someone reads my work, this is this is a small indication. And um, we we know this is the maxim, so, you know, you kill your darlings. But when I was in the workshop, someone said, I love this line. That's mean they, that means that they came out of the story and they were the writing and they were thinking about me. True. That's a that is a problem. Yeah. Our focus we're a good writer when we focus on our subject. Yeah. We focus on our subject for our audience and yeah. we're here. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad glad to hear that, Ron.
And in fact, I, um, the example that comes to mind is uh, again to kill a mockingbird. It's a brilliant story. And while I was reading that book, not once did I think, "Wow, what a great writer!" I always thought, "What a wonderful story." Yes, yes. If if someone if someone thinks if, if someone reads my work and thinks I'm a great writer, that's like a dagger in my heart because that's exactly the opposite of what I want to accomplish. Fair point. Difficult to come to terms with, but yeah, it's a fair point. Very, so, very difficult to come and come to terms as we recognize it's a very human trait. Yeah, yeah. we do. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. This was yeah. very helpful. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. Um, I wasn't able to read your other this uh, time. Um, let's. Oh, right. Let's see. Uh, okay. No, never mind. So um, this is another review. Um, let's see. Sorry, I can't. Ananya, maybe is the author. Is Ananya here? Ananya? Uh, well, I'm not sure if she's here. This is, um, uh, this is uh, a review of a year of Wednesdays and uh, it's a positive review. I'm just gonna, I'll make it just a couple comments. So again, um, what we want to do as reviewers is both acknowledge, this is, it's really difficult. We read a book and we want to acknowledge our experience with the book. That is part of what we're reading. That's part of what we're going to write about. We're going to experience. The writer, what we have to be able to do is be able to imagine other people's experience. And we need to be able to think about and conceptualize it and be able to address that. Otherwise, of course, we're only writing a review for someone who's exactly like us. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm not talking to anyone directly, so I'm feeling a lot lost in the silence. Okay, so again, what I would please uh, suggest opening up with to let people know in the first paragraph, who are they as an audience who's going to be enjoying this book? And whether it's basically yay or nay. Does this book compete with other books of nature? Yes, therefore I'm going to get it. Does it compete with other books and other genres? No, etc. Who is the audience? Really think about that because that's, the, that's who we're addressing. And as a review, rather directly. Uh, and in this piece, I do make the I make the suggestion. Uh, I feel I've said this in a number of other of our meetings, uh, and uh, Anya is a new 
a new writer that I haven't seen yet, but it's something that really bears remembering continually to use our paragraphs. So there's a very famous style manual in the United States called Strunk and White, the Elements of Style that I would suggest to everyone. It's, it's old, it's a bit antiquated, but the lessons in it are very clear. What Ram and I were actually just talking about in terms of the writer remaining, basically the way Strunk and White term that is that the writer remains in the background. The writer's in the background. So in other words, it's not, it's not for us. We're writing, we're making this and putting the characters on it. And we're doing that for the audience. And we are above. Anyway, another thing that Strunk and White say, and this is something after honestly, decades of my dedicating myself to writing practice have come to appreciate in ways that I never appreciated when I first read it. They say, make the paragraph the unit of composition, which basically means is that each paragraph should be one idea. And the reason for that is it takes, a sentence is too short right, for our attention. Writing and the human have worked together, basically. The human attention span requires a little bit more time to understand an idea. And we also ideas separate in some way so we can get them as a sequence of events, like a narrative, one, two, three. So I'm just making that small comment in this piece. Uh, the author here discusses the book, and they really give us a short summary because it's it's a good summary because they the author of the review is is telling us about the book in a very vague way, but essentially providing the structure, not providing the details of the book here. So, but the point I'm going to make is that in this this is sort of a a labored point. But the entire, the entire structure of the book is in one paragraph. Therefore, I all together and I don't understand it as a structure. Whereas I would separating it out into three paragraphs. So then I'm reading the first paragraph and I'm, I understand that this is the beginning. This is the, this is the, the macro sort of all of our work, whether we're writing, a, whether we're writing a novel, whether we're writing fiction, no matter what we're writing, it always works. There is a beginning, there is a middle, and there's an ending. So I, that, that was cryptic advice that I got early on in my writing career that I've worked a lot on trying to understand. This review um, talks about the beginning. It talks about the middle. And it talks about the ending, and maybe it's worth worth stating just briefly what you should see in a beginning, middle, and ending. Beginning is obviously the introduction. We can't help it but be the beginning, but it needs to do two things. It needs to establish the conflict, and it needs to engage the reader. So if we're discussing in a review the beginning of a book, we might discuss how the book 
accomplishes that and whether it does accomplish that. The middle is what I would call, I call nation of struggle. That's when the protagonist and the antagonist battle each other in the middle. What the middle does in terms of function is prepare the reader for the ending. I liken it to a boxing match. Like if there's a knockout in round eight, the middle is one through seven. Okay. And then the ending, the resolution of the struggle that was introduced in the beginning. So it's not the resolution of is there going to be on earth or not? That's it is. It's the resolution of the struggle that was introduced in the beginning of the work. Oh. Anyway, just a small comment on this piece. Definitely use paragraphs to help me. We use our space <clears throat> page to help the reader understand because what we're finally doing is information. Creating a sequence of reading events for our reader that creates an experience for them from which they have a takeaway. Um, Uh, let's uh, maybe we'll let's see. Um, uh, Narayana is Narayana here. Yes, I'm here. Hi, how are you? I am fine. How are you, Andrew? Uh, I'm doing great. I go by Otis. That's my middle name. So uh, just, I like it better. It's a family name. Um, uh, have you been here before? I don't, I didn't recognize your work. Pardon me? Narayana? Yes. Have you, have you submitted something for the workshop before? Yeah, yeah. In fact, what you have put on the screen is mine. Oh, yeah, I know that this... Okay, um, tell us a little bit about this book. What, what are you reviewing? This book is about uh, the Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita, as you know, it's a very ancient and sacred text which every Indian uh, sort of uh, rebel. Uh, it is uh, rated along with all other Vedanta texts. And, um, um, but uh, unlike Ramayana and Mahabharata, which have got full of uh, stories and uh, sub-stories and uh, which catches the attention of uh, um, youngsters, this Gita is all about the meaning uh, of life and discovering oneself and uh, that kind of thing, you know, that uh, serious stuff. Hence, Bhagavad Gita mm -hmm. is basically not uh, studied by young people, as a, in general, in general. So this book is specifically written by the author to make Bhagavad Gita 
interesting for the millennials so that they will catch it it is basically catching them young so that they get interested in bhagavad gita okay uh well uh good so i think you know when i looked at this book so there are a couple questions that leap leap to me right um immediately when i look at the book and then as a reviewer i would probably think about so there's a suggestion here that there that the uh, gita um is maybe not not necessary so this is i mean is this an interpretation or, or um or a, or a presentation of the material that's designed for millennials yes is it a yes is it, it is the is the change in the translation or is the or is the change in the in the presentation it is giving an introduction of the book in such a way so that the millennials get attracted mhm okay so um yeah well i think that uh the the big question is what really what is necessary for millennials to be able to i guess observe the bhagavad gita sorry forgive my pronunciation what's the difference between millennials and non-millennials that's one of the questions that sort of lingers for me in this review what is what is this book assuming about millennials that it's not assuming about non-millennials and there's a little little issue for me is that the the viewer here so there's a couple ways that it could go so you have this book written by millennials for millennials and thinking that the author here is not a millennial is that correct uh right your question is uh, is the author millennial no he's not Right. So so there's a couple ways you could think about the prison of this book. And and maybe it has I don't really know millennials, but I know something about like young people in general because I have a vague memory I used to be when I was young. So there's a kind of a traditional thing that takes place in in the entire world in all cultures where people who are older or people who are younger like what to think. you know like how you know and how they are, right they they they're an authority speak to the millennial right they're they're an authority who speak to youth and there's kind of a tradition too of the youth right to reject that authority these are the two things that go on maybe for all time right yes so it seems to me that that's fairly central to how i would think reviewing this work the author's successfulness in actually understanding the millennial perspective is probably the crucial aspect because we'll go back sorry i i i do these shifts from time to time but our main thing to do as a reviewer is to think of our audience okay who is our audience this book has a self described audience basically yes. because saying that it's going to take this final work and it's going to present it for millennials. So now we have a pretty good idea 
about who our audience is too. We want to basically tell these millennials whether it's yay or nay on this book and the success of author to bring this work to them. Um, so I, I, I think that that's probably what I would, what I would concentrate my addressing right beginning. And then, so what about our audience in that way, we think about the success of that. And we want to be, we want to be able to acknowledge as a reviewer, like I say, it's not going to be right. Like you personally, I, are you a millennial? No. Just on it. On the edge. No, no, uh, I am uh, removed so uh, it, decades. Right. Well, because like you, you want to. Yeah. Yeah. You want to think to yourself. So you want to be. You want to be conscious. Again, I'm going to go back. I'm going to really lay into this idea of the reviewer. But for all of us as authors of anything, is that we have to both be us, and we have to be understanding of who we are. And we have to be a writer who understands that there's lots of other people. Okay. So what I'm saying a little bit is, while the title book, um, uh, De Broglie, right? <clears throat> De Broglie is not a millennial. You're not a millennial. De Broglie thinks millennials need to read this book. Millennials are like, I'm not sure. They're, I'm not sure if I do. You know, I want to re reject it. But you also think that they should read the book. So you and the author both think that they should read the book. You want to understand that about yourself. You want to understand what your perspective is as the reader, but you also want to be a writer who understands that not everybody is going to be with you. And therefore, how are you going to address this? So is, is this, I'm, I'm just going to, forgive me being rude, but I'm just going to class him as an old guy. So like, let's say millennials, millennials will just be like, it's another old guy telling me what to think. Right? I mean, that's kind of the way, that's the way I was. It's the way I still am, actually. So I'm rebelling eventually. So another old guy is telling me what to think, and a review by an old guy who's telling me what to think. It's telling me that I should think what old guys want to be able to address that we if we don't address it then it's something if we leave it unaddressed then it's it's like um it's basically central to the argument and if we it then our review essentially is going to deaf ears right we we're not going to be communicating to the audience that we're looking at so that's what I would probably address first. But going back to this idea of writing for um, thinking about our audience, in this case, we kind of have, oh, oh wait, well, maybe we have three, okay? So we have, it's hard for me sometimes to work this all out, but we have the designed audience, millennials who have not written, have not read, the Bhagavad Gita, okay? We have those people, that's one audience, right? We also want to give some credit to maybe non moles who either haven't read it or have read other versions. And we might wanna say, do they want or not want to read it too? 
And we might also want to address readers who, um, you know, maybe it would be their first introduction to the work and maybe they want to read it too. Or maybe, you know, in this case, obviously the design is towards um, millennials, Indian millennials who are Hindu, but maybe it's a good introduction for people who are not Hindu to the work. These are all things that we want to consider a little bit because we want to look at a book. We want to think, who is the audience that it's designed for? Like, basically, who do they think they have no matter what? This is what publishers think. They have th these readers no matter what, and does it expand beyond that, right? Right now, this book has as readership millennials who maybe aren't going to question whether it's an old guy or whatever telling them what to think anymore. So that's that group of millennials, but that is certainly not all millennials. There are some millennials who will resist and you want to think that group. So will this expand into that group? Reach the audience it intends to reach in a larger way. Will it reach another audience? You know, this audience that is already familiar or maybe younger people who have not been introduced to this work or maybe people who have been introduced to the work but want a, want a fresh take on it. So that's another group. And even more, never been introduced to this work, which is a complete, in, you know, and maybe people who are even outside of the culture. If we if we do that, you're sort of you're suggesting something. You're you're ever widening your audience certain point, and in some of those regards, you're maybe saying this is not adequate, and probably you should, or otherwise you're going to seem like you're just you know a cheerleader for the work. So at some point, you want to have some criticism of the work too. Okay. But uh, and. The um, I marked this second paragraph, and this is this is probably the thing that I would like everyone to take away when thinking about the review. Use the second paragraph to contextualize what you're. So, uh, in second paragraph, you start to really just write your opinions. It's sad, and it can be a wonderful companion, and you're essentially talking from your and talking and 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 focusing on the of the book i i probably i would continue to focus on the book and the, and the central issue of the book but i would use this second paragraph to contextualize the book okay this book exists in this other body work right so that we essentially it's the place where we understand the history. the second paragraph is the place for history Okay. And the, the thing with this book is it takes on something that's very significantly difficult. And so I'm really, you know, I'm excited to, to see how you end up dealing with the review with this in mind. It is a, it is a big task for the, the biggest task that a writer has is trying to understand their audience. This is like, this is, this is so difficult because what we have to do is we have to get out of our head, right? And understand who it is that we're writing. For. 
And in this case, we have De Bruyne, who is maybe he's a scholar, maybe he's you know I you know I don't know, but he's an older scholar. He's an you know an authority. All of those things. How well he actually understand the audience that he's self-selecting these millennials. That is going to be the big question of this book: whether he does it well or not. Spells the success of this book. If he if he's not able to basically convince millennials that he understands them, of course he's not going to be able to uh, offer them the information if they don't trust him. And he's gonna he's gonna earn their trust by really understanding their situation. And this is something that traditionally. Youth people are very suspicious, and they do not think old people understand. That is throughout history. Any questions? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Please proceed. It seems it seems like a great night, and I really issue that we're talking about, about understanding the audience, about basically being able to transcend ourselves and our own ego in order to understand the, this is the biggest issue first, the biggest issue that we have. So I'm really excited to see what your review ends up saying about that. And it's also going to, it's also going to on your ability to understand the millennial audience, not right from the perspective of an authority right? That's, that's going to hinge on. And so in that way, it's a really great exercise for you as a writer. It would be a great exercise for all of us. Okay. Fine. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for submitting it. I appreciate it. And um, so that one, that one. another review. Um, An Anil, is Anil here? Yes, I'm here. Hello? Oh, uh, hi, Anil. Hi. Okay. Um, hi. Anything, is this the first time you've submitted something to? Yes, um, this is the first time. Okay, well, thanks so much for submitting it. Thank you um, for reviewing. So, yeah, sure, of course. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about this book. So this book uh, comprises of about uh, 53, you know, various essays all about India, starting from uh, partition time, freedom fighting, you know, how all these political organizations started and comes back right to the doorstep like in today, you know, we have uh, issues today in the, on the ground and it deals, uh, you know, there are essays about that. So in all, it's written by, uh, you know, uh, a standing BJP member, a senior member who has been in the party for a long time and who is an insider to the government sometimes and to the party and he has seen it from uh, you know a perspective 
which is up close. Uh, so yeah, okay. that's pretty much about it. Well, I think I I did kind of understand that. Um, now I don't I don't know in political parties, so I um, if it's if it's a book by a politician in the U.S., it's going to be biased. It's going to be biased based on um, their political points of view, which encompasses in the United States. At this point, not only questions of, let's see, I mean, it's everything, economic policies, um, social policies. I mean, basically, politics seems a place to me, for my humble opinion, as a person out, outside, where everyone is trying to go in about how they can make policies that are going to benefit uh, them and their friends, a big battle with, you know, that's what it seems to me. If we have a politician, so this comes back to this comes back to the essential issue of we're going to be a reader of the work. When we review something, we're going to be a reader. And then we also have to be, we can call it the reviewer, but we're going to be the writer. Right? We need to be both the person who is like a character in the story, like reading, and we're like, oh my God, yes, I agree. I totally agree. I don't like the whole, and I think that they're selfish, and I think that I'm not, right? I mean, like all of us, we all. So I'm that person who gets really involved in the work, and I'm, I'm moved by it. I'm impassioned by it. This is the case for all of the works that we've read. Everyone that's reviewed a work is the same way. They are a reader who responds to the work. When we're a reviewer, we want to think about ourselves as a reader and understand who we are as a reader. And we want to understand other readers, people who are not like us, people who do not have the same opinions as us, the same body as us. If we do not imagine that larger group as a writer and put those points of view in our work, it will seem as if we are just biased. Like, and you know what? That, that is, that is unfortunately not much different than on Facebook going, you know, I like it. I don't. Right. You know, uh, the way people review on you. Yes or no. That's just opinion. It's just thumbs up, thumbs down. As a reviewer, we want to try and do more. I think, so this is where I get, get into my mystical writer self thing. This is the thing that we really work on when we become writers, right? Um, we're gonna look at Rashma's play in a little while. And I was, just, I was just talking to my daughter about this. We were driving someplace and we were talking about characters and motivation. The writer, Right. So let's say not in this case, this is a review and you this is a review. But in the play, right, Ma is up here as a writer and she's probably she probably identifies with one of her characters more. One of her characters is like her. Right. And she can write that character. Well, as Oscar Wilde said, only the shallow know themselves. I think that that's 
worth thinking about. But anyway, we have a, we have a closer affiliation with one character, but as writers to be able to write all the characters. Writer, and I'll go back, I really liked this in the Mahabharata and I, and I liked it as soon as I heard it. Uh, that was years ago, my mother was reading it and she told me about Va Vasya, I think I'm pronouncing it Vyasa. right, I hope. Vyasa. As the, as Vyasa. The, right, Vyasa as the narrator. The narrator's up here, but sometimes the narrator comes into the work, the character. The writer has to understand both the pro writer perspective and the character perspective. They have to be able to, what I call co-consciousness, right? That's a psychological idea. To be able to move fairly seamlessly between the consciousness of sort of knowing everything potentially. So there is, there is one issue with that, right? So, sorry yeah. to interrupt. So there is one issue in being the writer, okay? The, which is the subject matter knowledge. You know, the writer has done all the research and if we have to elevate ourselves to the writer status, what about the subject matter that is associated? The, what about the fact and the data and the, you know, and the subject matter that the writer has gathered? So we wouldn't have that advantage. See, we are re uh, uh, reviewing random books. Okay, It's easy to be inside the book rather than being the being in the right opposition. So how do we resolve that conflict? Um, I'm just, I'm just gonna, so I'm not sure that this is addressing um, the issue, but basically what I've noticed in life is that everyone thinks, every single person on earth thinks that they've done all the research and they know what's right and what isn't right. Every, everyone I've met. The only thing I know for sure is that when I think I'm right about something, is that someone else agree with me, right? I mean, everybody, I, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Everyone is like, I'm right, you're wrong. What I tend to think about is that everyone is actually right in their way. You know, I bring that in. So as a writer, I think we want to try and understand that larger perspective and we want to put both of them down. We, the problem with them uh, for us as writers, we cannot on what to think. That's not our job. Our job is to be able to understand and present the world for the reader, whoever our audience is, so that it can make their own opinion. So anyway, the, the upshot of it here with this review is I think that you have to be far more out with it that there's that this writer potentially has a bias. The question is a little bit like the book we just looked at about the millennials. The writer has a bias, we, or we might assume that the writer has a bias, just like we might assume that the old person who was writing a book for the millennials doesn't really understand the millennials, right? We might assume that. That's what the reader should, that's what the writer should address. So do you things as a have done, sorry, uh, two things I have done is one is uh, I have brought out who the person is in terms of the author. I have uh, put in a paragraph to say that he's an Indian politician served in the, as a general secretary of BJP, just to put the context, that is one. In the second place, in uh, further down, you know, there is, uh, there are quite a few essays on uh, Mahatma Gandhi. 
okay and uh, uh, right now there are a lot of controversial you know both sides of gandhi issues are going on debates are going on so i have tried to say that the good side of gandhi has been taken so i mean from that point of view i have tried to make those two attempts but i maybe that is not sufficient you know i i just wanted to note that point yeah i think you have a lot of gradation i'm i'm just trying to suggest that you address the issue of potential bias you know right right from the get go because the issue that you want to basically get on the page right away the issue with any of a, these things that we're reviewing is like this is i expect all the time so i've read a i read a book i agree with a view of the person who wrote the book therefore i like the book i read a book agree with the point of view of the person who wrote the book i don't like the book right so i'm just basically all i'm doing is um re responding to my my own bias but we as a reviewer want to look more holistically so like and and i just i'm fairly sure that it needs to be addressed like if i um So the title itself already suggests that they're selecting an audience, right? Because India um comes yeah. first, right? That yeah. title for that because yeah. it comes first. So that's just like the 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 Gita for millennials is selecting an audience. This book is also selecting an audience. It's selecting an audience of people who already think that India should come first. it is not basically encouraging people who do not think it comes first to read this book i think that that probably needs to be addressed so the just like the book about the millennials so this book is aimed to 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 um communicate and find audience already hold this political disposition does it satisfy there yes or no great it does will it five people beyond that audience that selective audience will it act gather in people who do not hold views will it convince them is the research sound etc etc i would probably try to address that so this is looking at audience you're writing a review for people who may or may not read this people that already hold these views they're probably a lock they're going to read this book no matter what fans of this author fans of this point of view will it reach a larger audience people who are just in politics will it reach audience of people who are in politics even beyond in politics right these are the questions sure um we want to try and address these various levels of audience this this book seems like it's pegged for a certain audience and we basically have to address the fact that it is only being kind of self-selected audience already there is it going to meet them again i'll go back to the millennials we have an old person who's writing a book for millennials that's the central question right can that person actually accomplish this task i imagine in this case we have someone with a particular point of view writing for an audience that shares that point of view I'm going to imagine he does accomplish that task probably pretty well. He's a and you can write a little bit about his biography. He's conservative, he's liberal, whatever he, and that's who he's communicating with 
You put that on there, he's definitely going to communicate well to that mass. But does it break out? Does it do more than uh, essentially preaching to the choir, as we phrase it here in the United States? Does it do more than simply reinforce the opinions of people who already hold those opinions? Yeah, That's the question. Yeah, actually, yeah, I mean, just thinking about it, you know, uh, we all think that we are nationalists or patriots or whatever that is. But then when we really get into the facts and issues, we understand that uh, we do not know many, many things. So, you know, there are people who may think that they are something, but without knowing the history or the facts and st stuff like that, you know, so there is a large amount of those audience. Right. Well, and like you say, right, you, right, so like you, right, you might be a nationalist, right? That's you as a reader. But you as the writer have to understand that not everyone's a nationalist. I will tell you, so I'm, I'm from the U.S. We have nationalists in the U.S. I am not a nationalist. Okay. If I was a nationalist in the U.S., that means actually I'm sort of against the other countries benefiting and I actually don't feel that way at all because I I I, I you know America first is a exists in America I'm not part of America first I honestly I'm not I mean I I I I wrote the other day I was like I you know I don't want a covid vaccine until until everyone in Africa got a covid vaccine you know I'm I I'm I, that's not my way but we have to understand that there are yeah that there are these other points of view and it's absolutely um i really want to I, I really want to i don't know uh, emphasize this we as writers are kind of like two different people woman being which means that we're in the fray we're a character in the in the story right and things happen someone throws a rock and we're like ow oh and we want to hit them back okay that's us down here, right? We're like fighting, we're doing all this stuff. But then as writers, we also have to be up here. That's the dual consciousness. That's where we say, hey, look at that. All these people are always fighting. There are people nationalists and there are people who aren't nationalists. There are people who are this and there are people who are that. There are people who think that this, this is the right thing and this thing. Everyone thinks they're own. And we have to be a writer who understands who. Uh, like Vayasa, right? up here that sees it all. We have to do both when we write. And that's the thing that I'm really emphasizing. So understand, and I is, and I am the fact that I'm a human being. And when someone, you know, I boxed for a lot of years, when someone punches me, I punch back. You, you better believe it, you know? But I also understand human beings, when they get punched, they punch back. Right. So I have I have both actors. I'm also I'm the person who gets mad and I do things. And I'm also the person that people get mad and they do stuff. Um, sure. That's a more expansion. And and for us as reviewers and actually in all of these reviews. So I, I was actually thinking this because I read your review and I was like, you know, if I was an America first person, I don't think I would be here sharing my knowledge about how to craft storytelling, you know, with a with with Indian, you know, 
with a group of people because I was like, isn't that going to help you? Why? I'm just going to help Americans. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm not going to, no, <laughs> no. Um, and, uh, and I actually want to, you, you know, if, if you're getting, I want to help you punch back. So that's, that's what I do. I'm, maybe I'm more like a boxing coach nowadays, <laughs> but anyway, um, so, but the main thing is when we understand, right? So in this case, you have, you do have a bias. You agree author. That's fine. That's you. But as a writer, be this other person that understands that not everybody agrees. Try to figure out their points of view too. And then when you write from that perspective, you have this thing, the Greek term is ethos, really authority. When we write from a point of view where we stand one's point of view, not just our own, then we have an authority and people live. But when we do not do that, when we just go thumbs up or thumbs down and, and just express our own personal bias, nobody listens to us. There's a saying about opinions and how everyone has one that I won't share because it's a little bit salty, but everyone has their opinion, everybody. And everyone that on earth that I've ever met thinks that they're right about theirs. It's maddening to me when I know that I'm right. That's a joke. Yeah. Anil, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. sure. So it's maddening to me that everyone are right when I know that I'm right. So we have to figure out a way to be balanced about it. And my way of finding balance with that is that some, maybe I'm right and they're right. Right? It's a thing with writing, but I don't use that word, but. Right? I don't use that. I love this word and. I'm right and they're right. It's so much better than I'm right. Uh, they think this, but they're wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but they think this, but I'm right. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be contradictory. We're all human beings. There must be something that's sort of binding between us all that makes us all right. We're all this person here that when we get punched, punch back, right? We all want to put ourselves. And we're find, trying to find our way. So I go. Thank you. Anyway, I love it. I would, I'd love to, I'd love to hear the review of this. I'd love to, I, I think that this issue, I mean, it, nationalism is a big issue here in the United States and one that I personally do not approve of. I'll tell you my political leaning um, does not, is not in the national Um I think that it is, a, an issue that we have to look at, you know. Um, so I'm seeing this review again and, and knowing more about this. Okay, uh, thank you. I better move on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for submitting it too. I look forward to the next. Um, Hey, Jay, I know you're here.
Jay, are you here? Can you hear me? Hey, Jay, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, what are you driving somewhere? Hi, am I audible, visible? No, I'm I'm home. You you are. Oh, okay. Um, give me I'm, one I'm second. I'm hearing a lot of background noise. Yeah, that was a fan. It's getting hotter here. Oh yeah, it's getting a little warmer here. Um, yeah, Otis J okay, is. Uh, is that better? Uh, just based in Delhi, and I think the temperature in another month or two is going to touch 130. He'd need more than a fan. Hey. Uh, Jay, tell us a little bit about this work. What are you working on? I, I'm really interested That's in the way true. this is developing. Jack, uh, you're frozen. Uh-oh. Anyway, uh, so this was a this was a sort of a fan fiction based on the Mahabharata, like a lot of. And are you are you, in this work? Are you concentrating on? Are you okay? Is it better now? I, yeah, uh, thank you. It is. Um, Jay, do you want to uh, switch off your camera? It might help, uh, you know, with the lag. Great. Uh, Jay, um, and so you submitted a long piece, and I, I can only read, you know, maybe 750 words or so for this. So I wasn't able to read the whole thing. I just really, I read the beginning of it, and I was going to make some comments to think about as you're developing the piece. Uh, but let me just ask you. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, is it better now? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. That's better. I can hear you well. So. Uh, yeah. Is, uh, uh, okay. Uh huh. Oh, I I was just gonna say I think that your piece is dealing with uh, Shona, who's carrying his parents in baskets. Yeah, that's done. You know, from from A to B, and we're in this spot. And you've now you've now written something like pages on it. So I'm excited that it's extended, and I can see that you're definitely delving in. You're you're delving into the mint, um, in a in a really potent way. Yeah, that was a fact. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the the one the one point I'm going to make. So what happens here, and I'll tell, I'll say for everyone, you're familiar with this. This is from Mahabharata. I have not read this story yet in the version that um, Abhinav suggested to me, which is excellent, by the way. Um, is uh, is that we have a man there and and carrying the and he okay. tells basically this, he tells his origin story essentially. He tells story <laughs> now the story of his brother who's the favored brother, uh -huh. and he's yeah. the one who, right. So this is, this is the, uh, uh -huh. turn off uh -huh. your, you can turn off yeah. your sound if you want. 
Jay, I'm going to have to turn off your sound for now. I'm just going to make my comment about this beginning. It's a little bit complicated. Oh, perfect. Thank you, Jay. Okay. So for everybody, so if you can understand this story, we basically have, I'm sure that you can, we basically have the old man who's his parents and he's telling the story of that you, you may be familiar with already of basis origin and his brother and his brother, a warrior, but he's the one who's become sad basically with taking care of the parents telling that story. And so we have these big blocks of dialogue. So this is for writers on a, this is a, on another level. This is not review writing. This is really, you know, writing literature at this point. So the way I look at it is that dialogue is essentially abstract. When we're writing something, when we're literature, the strongest language we can use, the most evocative language we can use with our audience, with our reader, is concrete language. That means noun and verbs in a specific in time. Basically, characters doing things. That is strong because, right, Writing is already one level of abstraction. Sorry, if you can understand that, right? When I, when I write, I, I don't want to sound too stupid here, but when I write the word apple, it's not an apple. Right? Not an actual concrete, I can bang it on my head, right? But when I write the word apple, it represents an apple. That's one level of abstraction. But if I write the word love, that's essentially two levels of abstraction. It's not a kind I'm writing. I'm not writing apples, tangible that I can analyze and experience, taste, throw at someone, whatever. It's an, and it's an abstract notion that doesn't have any tangibility. That's two levels of abstraction. It is not as evocative to write the word love as it is to write the apple. Because the reader is not affected by love because it's abstract, whereas Apple at least has tangibility. It is concrete. Joe threw the apple at Steve. The apple hit Steve on the forehead. A welt rose on his forehead, the swelling of the mucus membrane below the skin. All of that is concrete. It's very and evocative. This concrete language, right? This is why movies are more popular than reading. Because movies are always because they feel concrete things. Whereas when we write, we can write anything. Does everyone know me so far? We can write either concrete things or abstract things, and often we write abstract things, and readers are having no experience with it, and therefore would rather go see a movie. Okay, so now let me get to dialogue. Okay. So dialogue, uh, dialogue okay. is basically characters speaking speaking to each other, but the words that they use 
are abstract. It's just a voice. So it's not an apple. It's me saying, apple, right? That's a level of abstraction. It's just a voice saying words. And for this reason, dialogue is essentially weaker than concrete action by characters or even description. Does this make a little sense so far? That's the base yeah. that I want you to that's the base that I want you to understand. And then I'm going to say this. This is why when we write blog, and this will particularly make sense to Rashma who's who's working on these levels, but when we write dialogue, we need to have subtext. We need to have, you know, as John LaRue said when I threw against the door and I said, tell me something important. He said, dialogue is something characters do to each other. In that case, dialogue is like a weapon, right? And it has a sense of tangibility and uh, dynamics. It has a dynamic quality. I'm taking this, I'm saying, you, blah, 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 and I'm injuring them with it. It's an action. Dialogue is an action of character. And that's why it's, it's that's a dialogue as opposed to saying something that in the movies they call on the nose. When you say something on the nose, it has no subtext and therefore no active quality. The other thing that, um, famously said about dialogue is by Mamet. Characters may or may not something that they mean, but they always say something to get what they want. Again, that is dialogue as an action against another character. Dialogue as a way to get what they want. It has See, I say, could you please pass that apple? But I actually have devious because I want that apple to throw it at Steve. Okay, I just, that was, I just won it, that, I winged it right there. Okay, that was good. So, <clears throat> dialogue needs something. So now, Jay, I'm going to go back to yours. What we have is we have opening, we have a lot of dialogue that's basically just telling a story, and we have very little actual physical action. That, I'm just being, is not in relationship okay. to your work or even how, it's not even in relationship to how interesting your work is. It just has to do with words. That's out of balance. I basically have very little that's concrete yeah. and I have a lot that's basically abstract. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a dynamality. So it brings me up big point. You have a character telling a story okay. about time. Could it be that you just want to write about that other about that in that time, then everything is concrete. Then you have characters doing stuff. You don't have a character talking about characters doing stuff. That's what occurs to me. And then it, bring, it brings up the, of <clears throat> the farther point of story do you want to tell? I think that you want to talk this boy, uh, sorry, about Shona, the old man. I think of him being young because he's carrying them. But tell the story about Shona based on the responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So that, drop the story, unfortunately, and concentrate on that if that's what you want to tell. Or if you want to tell that other story about the origin, then go ahead into the origin and tell that time. 
We as writers can write about any time we choose. We should choose to write a time in which the story <laughs> takes place. We need to pick our story. Okay. That's the that's the big comment. But I think all of this is really important mm. for us. I, I, I'm, I'm packing a lot of information in the whole discussion, but stuff that I hope that we'll take away. Just file it in the background and, and try and use it. The main for us to just keep in mind, characters in action, that's what we want to do. We go again to why are movies so much more popular than reading? Okay. Millions of people will watch a movie. Only my mom is my written work. Okay. So how do we, how do we compete with these movies? Because that's who we're competing with when we write. We're competing with the movies. We need to do it. We need to do it as well as they do it. And then we need to do it better because there are things that we can do in writing that they can never do. We have much more versatility than they have. So, again, with the under the theory that I'm training you to, you know, um, really show up in this battle. There's a battle throughout the world. Two stories that rise to the top. We need to use all of our resources, and we need to be we need to be dedicated to really using our resources and our time as possible in order to compete with all these other stories. And, uh, but I think your instinct is good and what you're writing is good. And I understand too that you're writing this part of the story because you're understanding the psychology. I, I get that. I think that that is really good work to be doing. So Otis, we have about 10 minutes. How many pieces did you have uh, remaining? Uh, I also wanted to ask if you could cover Anvita's piece she had sent it, I think, last Sunday. So obviously it was too late for it to be included uh, you know, last Sunday. Right, right, right. Let me, um, that's this one. Let's talk about it. So <clears throat> um, Anvita, are you here? She is. Uh, yes, she's there. So, okay. Anvita, do you want to just so, say hi? Anvita, you want to? Hello. Yeah, I'm say sorry. hi or it's a little. Hello, Otis. Oh, uh, sorry. Can, can you tell us a little bit about this work? It's a fictional retelling. About Amba's story, Amba is a character from the Mahabharat, a minor character who um, plays a significant role later during the Mahabharat war. <clears throat> so uh, this okay. takes, yeah, this, this takes, uh, this piece is only describes her penance when she wanted to obtain a boon. Great. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, so this piece... Um, in, in the course of these workshops, I read a lot of pieces about uh, Mahabharata, and I'm not sure that I'm ever going to be able to say something that's really definitive about the work that you're, that you're doing to take those stories and then sort of bring them, maybe we could say, like, refresh them for the world. I think right here is maybe a place where we might get close. Okay, so the... <clears throat> 
the modern standard of drama, and we've talked about this a little bit before, because the Mahabharata is coming out of an oral tradition, essentially, as, as I see it. I'm no expert, but anyway. But like the Iliad, Odyssey, Rata, and all stories, we can understand that only some people were writing things, but most people were actually just retelling them as storytellers. And as such, they were a way to contain cultural knowledge that got passed down through centuries, right, for a time. They were a way to store knowledge. And in a lot of ways, they were told. So you, you told happened. This happened, this happened. It's memorized through sort of rhythmic patterns in the language. At least that's my understanding from reading this academic named Walter Ong. The modern of drama is basically encompassed in this. Show, don't tell. What that means is show. We show characters things and the reader understands what it means. We show, as I think of it, is that we put the evidence on the page in terms of concrete action, right? Just, I'm going to go back to the movies for a second. You see the person, you know, grab the time bomb and run to the bridge and put off, right? You, anyone, it was scary, right? You don't have any, you don't have a voiceover saying, uh, a time bomb is really scary. Um, he's going to have to get rid of it right away because otherwise it's going to kill him. We don't have that in the movies. We just show it. And the reader feels tense. The reader feels scared. And maybe the reader <laughs> even thinks in their seat, uh-oh, he better throw that away soon right? The reader thinks and feels, the director movie shows. Same for us when we write. We show and we let the reader think and feel. <clears throat> and this might come down to, the, the reason I lean on this so heavily, and I basically made my career in critiquing and working with writers, is because whatever, I'm so sensitive to being told anything. Remember, we were talking about the millennials and, and, and that review. If someone starts telling me what to do, I'm like so rebellious. I'm like, what are you, why are you telling me? I want to learn for myself. And basically what we do when we write. We let feel the reason writing can be so powerful, the storytelling so powerful is that the reader feels the conclusions on their own through what we can call inkle experience. They simply perceive what's happening and they have a take. This is maybe going back to, uh, I think it was Anil, maybe it goes back. Every, every person on earth believes their own experience. And so what we do in writing is we show things and reader feels like they've experienced thing and they see that as truth. However, if we tell them what to think, it. That's why storytelling is so powerful. Um, and Vita, sorry, that was such a long explanation to say. So the, the basic here is show, don't tell. I'm, I'm, I'm just using your work, I hope you'll forgive me, as an example to really lay it, lay it on the line of everybody to really convince us this is what we have to do. 
This is the hard work of writing. It's easy to tell people what really easy is what I've found. It's really hard to show them and take them to an experience so that they end up experiencing something as a ruchin that they take away and changes the view about the world, which is what we're seeking to do writer. So just as an example, for someone who had never gone out riches and luxury, she didn't complain. Basically, I go, show, don't tell. This is not complaining. We have to see her undergoing this penance. We have to see her um, development. We have to see, we have to see all of those things to understand it. That is uh, the comment on this piece, but it gets to it gets to a, actually a very significant this piece is I really want to get it. I really want to get this piece. I think difficult characters are fascinating to, are fascinating to me, and maybe that's what draws you to this character. Because the way I read this story, and I and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do some great work to capture this character. Amba, right? What she does is she goes years of penance. You also have to you have to think about realism a little bit too. There's a period where she doesn't even have water for a long time. Human beings, human being, we tend to die when we don't have water. So we have to figure out how we make it realistic. If we do something that's not realistic in our work that doesn't make some kind of sense, the reader turns away from it. My example for this is that it has to make kind of sense. Like Superman is superhuman, but it's because he comes from Krypton, okay? It's not, that's just a way to make it, you know, all these superhero stories, they have an or story that help us make sense. Uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man is like a spider because he was bit by an active spider. I mean, it doesn't mean what it is because it convinces us that it makes some kind of sense. Okay, so we need to have some kind of sense here it might be like she didn't even have her. All she did was eat leaves off of this plant, and it happened to suck plant that has water in it. So there's something that helps us understand. But this is the thing I want to say about Amba um, as a character. Uh, sorry for uh, interrupting you, Otis, oh. but this I yeah. actually had to read up on this character from the from an unabridged version of the Mahabharata. So uh, this was a critical edition where the author took uh, different Mahabharats, like different versions of the Mahabharata, tried um, finding the shlokas that were common in all, and then he translated that into English. So all these facts that I put in were actually from that book. And it sounds extremely unrealistic, but I was trying my best to stick to the critical edition, which is why I added all these facts. Well, we have to think about whether whether we want a audience to believe in the existence of this character or not. We we have we have a shared physical existence that we basically understand, and we have to somehow have something that helps us understand who might survive if she's not having water, for example. And you, you just have to do that work. Just lay it in somehow. I mean, it can be that she's. Maybe she's blessed by a God that's allowing her or protecting her. You can do what you want, but we need to have some kind of explanation so that we stand it. If we have, if we have uh, gaps 
if the reader has gaps in their understanding, if not make sense out of it, then we lose the reader. That's the problem. So we never want to count on the reader leaving what we say. We want to make sure there's in a world in which they can believe what we say. And that might be that we have to present that world. Is this meant to be a world that's realistic like the one we know? Or is it meant to be like a mystical world that we don't know that existed at some other time? Or is it meant to take place somewhere else? Yeah, we have to how take account. You can work that out, you know, how you uh, like. Um, but the thing that I want to get to about character, because character is where I really live in terms of stories, and this is the thing that's most interesting to me, is that this character, Amba, gives up everything, and she's given up absolutely everything, including at a certain point, I think her, you know, even her, where is it? <clears throat> um, you know, it says, uh, truly her tapaseya with this penance, this penance idea, all her emotions wiped away like a clean slate. When all of her emotions have been wiped away, she still wants to kill, I think, right? When she's grandish, she still wants to kill Bhishma. She's had everything wiped away, and yet she still wants to kill Bhishma. That is very interesting to me. Um, uh, and I think that to, for me as a, I mean, I'm a, my life's work is like a student, I'm a student life and understanding character, how we work. I want to understand that. It's really a great moment to dig into. I think that this work is going to be far longer. To show a penance and her development over time, to arrive at the moment in which everything is washed away, and then to be asked, you know, what she wants and to say that she wants Bhishma, you know, dead. That's a fabulous moment. It's probably going to take you longer. It always takes longer to show than to tell. Telling is easy. That's why I was to do it. Telling is super easy and super, super efficient. It's really efficient. Showing is cumbersome, takes a lot of time. But it's a, uh, uh, she's a character. So, Otis, I was actually on a, I was on a crunch when I wrote the, uh, when I wrote this piece. So how would I, if I had to use the same amount of words approximately to show instead of tell, could you give me a few pointers on that? Well, you're, so you basically have a situation where you have, so what's the time period that she begins her penance to time that, um, I'm going to say that uh, when she basically says, what is it that you want? What is it? I, I, I'll answer myself. It seems like that's a long time period. She undergoes this penance for maybe at least maybe? Is it yeah, so, uh, several several months, uh, at least uh, several, several months. months. Several months. So, so if it's the course of Basically, in order to write it in next time, we have to summarize, right? So we have to write summary. And the way I would do it then is I would write summary for a good amount and then just try and hide by showing various things in what I would call key scenes. So you basically come out of your summary. For months, she ate nothing. Um, and, and, and one day, 
seeing that she still hadn't arrived at the point where she felt expiated from her guilt, she, um, the servant brought her a cup of water and she pushed it away. You know, sorry, I'm just making it up on the spot, but basically go into a mini. So what we do in summary is we take away time and we compress it. And actually in summary, we can even elongate time if we want to. We basically take time and we compress it with our words. And then when we write scenes, we basically expand it to cover, you know, quote unquote, real time. So you would want to be able to use both of those techniques, basically, to write this story in, in I mean, sorry, not time, space, because that's what we're talking about with writing. We're talking about space. Um, what, uh, where we, are we, uh, we're quitting time, I think. Right. Um, so how many pieces do you have left? Because I'm, I'm, uh, I hate saying this, but I'm pretty sure we won't get as many pieces for next week. <laughs> I have, I think, um, um, I have one other review, um, Maybe I can just hand. Maybe I can handle this review, and then Rashma, would you be okay if we if we uh, did yours uh, next week? Yes, sure. No, no problem. No problem. And it might be just. It may be Rashma's left. If I've missed something else, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll push that to next week too. But this is just a short review, and I just actually have a short comment, and I'm pretty sure um, that uh, here. Um, so. If you can see this here, uh, this is um, this book here, the great Maratha, um, a historical fiction on the life and campaigns. Um, we and cut out the famous author. Again, back to my theme for reviews is that as the writer, we can be this person, the character who reads the book. And we can say, and we need, we need to be able to think about ourselves. That's the thing as writers. We need to be able to think about ourselves and are. And we can even write in our review. I know this author very well. And this author has been influential in my life, blah, 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 blah. For those who do not know this author, right? You see how that little, that little says, I understand that this author is to me. I, this, this author has been influential for me, but I understand that other people in the world exist for, you know, the large expanse of world exists and they've never even heard of this person. And I can say I haven't, for example. In which case you wanna tell us something about the author and why they're so, why they're influential. We don't wanna just lean on words like famous because whenever we, so we have to imagine our audience as possible because whenever we write anything, express any kind of bias as the writer that we do not acknowledge, we basically push the reader away. And we never want to push any reader away. We are lucky that they've even looked at it. Okay, if we get someone to look at our, anybody, 
they're sitting in a dentist office, they're about to have a root ball, and they open up our work, we don't want to lose them. So we have to be able to imagine all these other people other than our straight work of being a writer. Um, and it's just very, um, um, to review, the author has done a fantastic job. So the writer does not want to bias, right? The character that we can reference, we can talk about ourselves as a character. When I read this book, I was overjoyed to, to be able to read through again. The character can express bias, but the writer should not. Does that make sense? We always attribute bias to characters. The writer should not have bias. So in this case, when we say the author has done a fantastic job, that sounds like the near pressing a bias and we don't want to have that. That's, that's my, brief, um, my brief review. So try to separate yourself as a writer, try and separate yourself out into two, two definitely discernible kind of entities the co-consciousness of our writing, the person who's in the work, the character, the person reading, the person responding, et cetera, et cetera, and then the writer who is a work, backgrounded and not biased and has a larger view. Oh, but now that's it. Call that a wrap. This was very, very productive. I think uh, it's great we got so many pieces. Uh, thank you all for joining in and in a few days, like we always do, we will put this up on YouTube and you can uh, look out for our, you know, Twitter tweet and Facebook post uh, for the link and please do keep sending the pieces in and thank you everyone. And thank you, Otis. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for all the great work. I really appreciate it. I as, as always, I, I really, I have so much respect and admiration uh, for everyone who takes on the, the difficulty of, and not, and I really encourage you that it's not only producing pieces that we're after, it's also actually developing this, this viewpoint, which I really think is so for us, and it really becomes a positive addition to the world. Not to, as feel for the day, but I think it really is a positive addition to the world when we engage in the world from a writer's perspective. So thank you all for doing it. Thank you very much. Thanks, thank you. Thank Thanks you. everyone. Bye. Thank you.